and welcome to Rebel Hearts, a podcast dedicated to the rebel girls and riot girls in the music industry and why they matter. Each episode will feature songs by bands you just need to hear. So if you think you're ready, I will see you in the front. This is episode 14, and today I'm going to be talking about a topic that really needs to be addressed, and it's about making shows a safe space for everybody. Earlier this year, in late January, there was an incident going around that involved a girl who was kicked in the jaw by a guy in the pit wearing steel-toed boots at a Code Orange show. There were a lot of news outlets that covered it, but I'm going to read you guys the article from Alternative Press. So the article starts off by talking about how it started. It reads, Around the middle of the show, Emily was standing on the outside of a mosh pit when a man wearing steel-toed boots went to quote-unquote crowd kill and roundhouse kicked her in the jaw. The page specified. Emily went to a show to have fun and to to support a band she loves. No one should ever leave a show in this condition, no matter what kind of music you're going to support. Have fun out there, but please not in such an inconsiderate and violent way. Code Orange also made a statement on Facebook in support of Emily and the need for safety and support at shows. It says, please help support our friend Emily. We We have all kinds of different people at these shows and we have to all take care of each other always. We've played hardcore shows all around the world, and this is the first and only time an injury of this nature has taken place, and hopefully the last. We've been in contact with her and those around her since the beginning, and she knows she's got our support through this healing process. Our fans are very important to us, and as we continue to grow, we all need to protect, support, and help each other up. And help each other up, yeah. And that says, sincerely, Code Orange. Emily wrote in a post about the incident on her Facebook saying, he hit my jaw so hard that it moved the entire thing to one side, breaking it in two pieces on each side. My right side, my right side of my jaw was no longer connected to my skull or muscle. It was still in my face because of my skin. AP goes on and says, following the show, Emily has been in trauma ICU for six days. Her statement saying that she's most disappointed in the fact that his actions were not only seemingly purposeful, Uh, purposeful, but he also didn't take responsibility for them. When you go to a show where there will be moshing and you wear steel-toed boots, your intentions are to hurt someone. When you swing, kick your feet in your steel-toed boots, you're trying to hurt someone. When you hit someone in the face, when you see her unconscious and you run off not to get caught, you're something else. I really don't have the words for what you are. What's insane about this entire thing is that people were mad at how much this circulated and people, not gonna lie, it was mostly men, were saying that the usual excuse, if you can't take being in the front or being in the pit, either stay home or stand in the back. And not only is that ridiculous and usually a sexist remark made by dudes who can't handle seeing women in the uh, in pits or up in the front or literally anywhere to show apparently because it's threatening to them, but it has to do with the story well, it has nothing to do with the story. I mean, I'm going to reiterate. If you wear fucking steel-toed boots to a show, your intention is to hurt someone. And if by some chance it isn't, don't fucking kick and raise your legs, maybe. How is that not understood? I, I just don't understand. Like, this whole backlash of this makes no fucking sense to me. Because his sole intention... Like, first of all, who even wears steel-toed boots unless you work in manufacturing? I don't know anybody, except for my boyfriend, who actually works in manufacturing, that owns steel-toed boots. So why the fuck are you wearing it to a hardcore show unless your intention is to hurt somebody? 
Like, come on, use your fucking head. But apparently the people that, when I posted this on Facebook back in January, people were so fucking ignorant and kept saying the usual, well, then don't be in the pit or don't be here or don't be there. Where the fuck am I supposed to go? Because no matter where I go at a show, it's always an issue. So maybe I should just stay home. Like, fuck that. So, no, this girl was not trying to be a tough girl and play with the boys, which apparently triggers so many guys in this scene, which I you know, just went on a rant about, but she was actively just trying to go to a show and enjoy a band, which is literally what almost everybody who goes to a show is trying to do. So while searching for instance to talk to you guys about, my friend Jamie actually let me know about one from Ireland at a Swedish house mafia show that may have been a few years back, but um, it's still relevant. It was back in July of 2012, and it's something that we definitely need to address even though it was a couple of years ago. The article starts off by talking about a man who died of an overdose and mentioned that nine people were injured during a stabbing that took place. The article also says, meanwhile, up to nine people were stabbed at last night's concert. The victims were all aged in their late teens and early 20s. It is understood the three of the victims have remained in Connolly, sorry, I can't read, a hospital for treatment, including one man who was stabbed several times in the back. A 23-year-old man has been arrested for a number, but not all of the stabbings. I also mentioned in my Ariana Grande episode about the Manchester bombing, the Eagles of Death Metal attack, and how music is supposed to be a safe space and has been under attack for, you know, a couple of years now, but really most recently. And not to mention or ever forget the death of Christina Grimmie in June of 2016, where she was greeting a fan with literally open arms and he shot her dead due to his obsession with her. That still confuses me and breaks my heart every day because you can't even bring a fucking water bottle into a show. And this guy had a hunting knife and a gun and I think he had uh, something else with him. And it was just absolutely insane. And what really bothers me about the whole Code Orange um, incident with the steel-toed boots is that it received so much backlash and so many people saying that she should have been she shouldn't have been anywhere near the pit or she shouldn't be here or she shouldn't be there and it's just like she wasn't she, she wasn't where she wasn't comfortable with being it's not like she was in the middle of the pit it's not like she was dancing or moshing or anything she was literally just enjoying a band that she likes she went to that show because she likes that band because she wanted to see them live and instead she left in a ambulance in, I mean, an ambulance, sorry. I don't know the English language, apparently. But she left in an ambulance instead of going home and, you know, reminiscing about how great the show is and how much she likes that band. But no, she she left. She was in a hospital for almost a week. And she, I don't even know where she is now, but I hope that she's either recovered or still somewhat recovering because broken jaw is no joke. I mean, she said it literally separated in two pieces and I don't, and I don't take that as an over-exaggeration. It probably did. And wherever that asshole is now, I hope that there are repercussions and I hope he doesn't go to shows anymore because there shouldn't be people like that at shows. Shows are, again, supposed to be a safe space and it wasn't for poor Emily at that Coat Orange show. And I hate when people use hardcore music or aggressive music as an excuse like, well, what do you expect? Uh, I expect to go to a show to enjoy a band and not leave in a, in a fucking uh, ambulance. So that's all I wanted to really say to open up this episode. I kind of want to take a break from all the horrible attacks and incidents and play you guys the first song for today. 
The band is actually one my boyfriend recommended to me and we listened to on our way to see Now Now last week, which they were incredible. They played two new songs and I am still not over it. I can't wait for that record to come out. The band is called Sports and they are from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And as far as what they sound like, it I'm gonna describe to you guys what it, how it was described to me and it's a mix of surfer grunge pop. And I actually didn't expect to love it as much as I did. We listened to all three of their records that day and I'm just so grateful that my boyfriend has good taste in music because I never would have found them because I don't check Spotify like I should. So um, I'm glad I took the listen and they have a way of being so unique while also fitting into the genre, genre they're playing and it's just really cool. The song is called Where Are You and it's from their 2014 album Sun Chokes available on their Bandcamp and it is actually not their most recent record but this is probably my favorite song by them so you guys should definitely check out all three of their records while you are on their Bandcamp because I know you guys are going to check them out. So here is Where Are You.
Again, that was the song Where Are You by the band Sports off their 2014 record Sunchokes. Their bandcamp is therealsports.bandcamp.com and all their music is on there, which includes the 2015 release of All of Something, which is their latest release. I'm going to briefly continue with violence in our music scene before I go on to a lighter topic that I said I would talk about. But before I move on to that topic, I want to share with you guys an article I found on Alternative Press. And it's titled, Being a Woman at a Concert Can Be Terrifying. And it was written in May of 2015 by Matt Crane. Crane's article for AP actually comes from an article written by Amy McCarthy for Salon.com. When she also, when she wrote a week or so in May of 2015 before Crane uh, did his article for AP. Hers is titled Punched, Punched, Groped, Beer Thrown in My Face. Being a woman at a concert can be terrifying. The unpredictable nature of live concerts can lead to very unsafe scenarios for female fans. Crane's, uh, Crane's article actually doesn't say anything. All he did was bring attention to McCarthy's and putting it on AP for others to access it, I guess. But all he does is kind of quote her article from salon.com he doesn't actually write anything out of his own so i guess it was just somebody from ap kind of sharing her article he links to it and everything and quotes her so uh there's nothing to talk about for matt crane's article but i'm going to start off by saying that there's nothing but great writing in mccarthy's article but i won't read you guys everything but i do strongly advise that you guys read it for yourselves because it's accurate and eye-opening and it's basically what it's like to be a woman at a show. She starts off by saying, a few weeks ago, as I stood in line to buy beer at a Josh Abbott band concert in Thackerville, Oklahoma, I noticed that a group of drunk frat boys had decided to cut me in line. The beer line was exceedingly long and there was no way that I was waiting even longer for this group of bros to slur their order at the bartender. As soon as a space opened, I quietly stepped back in front of them and waited to order my beer. As soon as I did, one of the guys in the group yelled, Back of the line, you fat cunt. Before physically charging at me and threatening violence until a security guard broke up the kerfuffle and sent the offender bro back into the massive and rowdy crowd to calm down. Her second paragraph goes on saying, In the nearly 10 years that I have been attending and reviewing live music, I have been punched, groped, and had beer thrown in my face. I have snuck out of shows early to escape the aggressive advances of a man who just wouldn't take no for an answer. I have watched and intervened as men, as men tried to take advantage of falling down drunk women who could barely keep their eyes open. I have seen artists make sexually inappropriate remarks about me and other women from the stage. Unfortunately, my experience as a woman in the music... In, in music is not unique. She goes on to talk about the infamous assumption that all women at shows are there to either sleep with someone in the band, pretend they like the music, or let's be honest, any music, because why would women like music? Makes no fucking sense, right? It's 2017, women don't like music. Or because they're dating someone either in the band or someone who dragged them to the show, so they don't actually like the band, but they were dragged there by somebody, probably a guy, because again, women can't like music. She then goes on to talk about a February 2015 incident where Afro Man was videoed punching a fan at one of his own shows. It's from fake news article website CNN.com, but I'll read it anyway, even though it's fake news. The article says, don't get on stage with Afro Man. He doesn't want you there. A video shows the rapper and guitarist playing his guitar Tuesday at a, at a concert in... Biloxi, Mississippi, when he weir, weir, whirls, whirls, 
sorry, when he whirls around and apparently slugs a woman who was dancing on stage behind him. After she goes down, he continues to play. On uh, February 17th of 2015, the Biloxi Police Department responded to a reported assault at the Crest Live Entertainment venue involving Mr. Joseph Edgar Foreman, who performs under the stage name Afroman. The Biloxi Police Department arrest report reads... Mr. Foreman was arrested for assault as a result of a citizen's affidavit booked in, released after playing a paying a $330 bond. That's it? $330? What the fuck? My understanding is the woman got up on stage and he hit her. Police Chief John Miller told the Biloxi's son, Harold. He then apparently made some lame-ass apology and probably blamed it on being high because in case you guys forgot, his claim to fame was that early 2000s song, Because I Got High. He claims he needs help and that it's not in his character, blah blah blah, but I don't buy it and I'm completely uninterested. McCarthy said the best thing in her article for Salon, and the last quote from it I will share with you guys. She says, Many women who enjoy music, especially rowdy, loud genres like heavy metal, have come to expect a certain level of violence at the concerts they attend. Metal expert and weekend editor of Vice's Noisy, Kim Kelly, is particularly used to being banged up at the end of a show. If I'm at a death metal show or a DIY thrash show in a basement, I know things are going to get crazy, bottles are going to fly, and I'm going and I'm probably going to come home with a few bruises, she says. I've always been able to hold my own, but women who are smaller or less brash than I am might absolutely feel intimidated by the testosterone-filled violence, fueled violence. In my experience, if you don't want to get hurt, you stand in the back or on the side and keep your uh, your guard up. So that's really not true, first of all, because I've stood in the back plenty of times at shows that I felt may get too rowdy for me, and it's still a shit show. I've stood on the side before. I stood on the side of that gouge away show that I went to in April, and I almost got punched in the face by another girl. You know, it's just there's really nowhere to be safe, apparently, and that's our problem because apparently there's supposed to be violence at shows. I didn't get the fucking email. I guess I should, you know, check it more often, or maybe it went to spam. As someone who listens to aggressive music that apparently caters to tough guys, I identify strongly with that. Even in an article for AP in October 2015, frontman Jeff Rosenstock voiced his opinions on these issues, and the article reads, Jeff Rosenstock, a punk scene veteran of Bomb the Music Industry and the Arrogant Sons of Bitches, is also angered by the dismissive attitude surrounding the problem. He just forgotten he had just gotten home from a show he played in Texas this year when he saw a fan tweet that she'd got she'd been groped by a number of men in the crowd. I was taken aback by the fact that anyone like that would attend our shows, he said. I've always felt that it was pretty clear that our band has feminist ideals, meaning that we believe in the equality of all people. So I tried to clear things up on Twitter and said, hey, this is not okay. If you're this kind of person, do not come to see our shows ever, or stop treating people like that. You don't have to be a dickhead forever. So I want to move on from the topic of violence at shows for this episode because I am not here to bum anybody out. I'm a little bummed out reading all of that for you guys. However, I did promise that I would talk about real issues plaguing our music scene and the never-ending sexism that exists in it, unfortunately. I will always bring back topics as more things cross my path or I remember things that have happened and that I haven't touched on yet because I totally forgot about the Steel Toad incident until I was at work and somebody brought it up to me because they had heard that I was doing a music podcast and we were talking about it. I was like, oh shit, that did happen and I haven't talked about it yet. So 
I will always be educating myself for you guys, so don't worry, I will always bring updates and all of that, and you're more than welcome to give me your findings as well. I love suggestions, and I love hearing from you guys. So while we are talking about safe spaces, because I really want to get away from the whole violence aspect, because going to shows should be fun, I'm going to talk about the interview between Tegan Quinn of Tegan and Sarah and Lynn from Paris, because in case you guys didn't know, both women identify as queer and both have said that they have huge fan bases, largely LGBTQ based, and have been told that their fans uh, consider their shows a safe space. For Nylon Magazine, early July, the two women interview each other about being out and popular in the music scene. Uh, for you guys that don't know or never follow Tegan and Sarah, they've been a, uh, they've been a, I don't know if you can really call it a band because it's just Tegan and Sarah, but they've been doing music for 20 years and Paris have just exploded over the last like three years. So it's kind of cool to see Tegan talking about being in music and the whole thing since the early 2000s and Lynn talking about what it's like to be in the public eye and being out in 2017. So Tegan starts off by asking Lynn questions. The first one starts off by saying, um, Tegan asks, I'm curious about how you approached being out in the music industry and in your band. Was it a conversation with everybody or were you always out? Lynn responded and she said, I came out to my family when I was 18. I don't remember there ever being a conversation amongst the band or management regarding me being quote unquote out, but I do remember a big debate in my head that existed for a little while before things with Paris fully set sail. I never wanted to compromise in fear of others approval and I recognize the importance of being out as far as representation and visibility. But the debate existed for a different angle for me. I wanted to be out but I wanted it to be the last thing people paid attention to. I didn't want to be known as a gay woman playing music, I just wanted to be a musician who also happened to be gay. Then the next question is actually really great. I mean, the whole article, the whole interview is really great, but Tegan asks, Sarah and I felt very much like we had to be out. It was never a question if we were going to be honest or keep it private. We felt a responsibility to our audience who were quite young and female to be honest about who we were and the challenges we were facing and what we were writing about. Did you feel this way? And what role or responsibility do you think public figures like yourself have to play in being out or being involved in the social justice of LGBTQ rights? I'm also wondering how you feel now that you're further into your career. Has it changed? Do you feel it in any way marginalizes your music or success? Then Lynn's response was, absolutely, I definitely always recognize the importance of representation and visibility. So it wasn't even a question as to whether I was to be open with my sexuality or not. The only hesitancy in my mind existed in what I experienced, I, I explained earlier. That mindset still applies for me nowadays, but the hesitance around it regarding press and the media has definitely dissolved. In today's climate, I think it's crucial to talk about. As for other public figures, I can't speak for them because not everybody has been given the same circumstances, so it definitely inspires me to be uh, in involved for those who can't be, and I hope that I can and inspire others as well. And lastly, I want to share both women's take on safe on the safe space topic. Lynn asks Tegan, over the past few years, the band and I have noticed a drastic shift when we play live. Because we've seen a sort of LGBTQ safe space developing at our shows, was this a similar thing for you and Sarah? Was it a slow growing process or was it something that was present right off the bat? 
Tegan's response was, we figured out really quickly that as openly queer women in a band, we were going to see a lot of LGBTQ people at our shows, even if they didn't know who we were as our shows became community spaces. People came to see their friends and support the community. Music is a wonderful way to bring together different people, and so we focused on ensuring our shows were open-minded, all ages, LGBTQ friendly, and a safe space from day one. But in recent years, we absolutely continue to look for ways to ensure it's truly a safe space. From bathrooms to culturally competent security to our uh, messaging from stage, we ensure our fans feel comfortable, safe, and welcome at our shows. I have said before how Paris has been a band known for their shows being a safe space for LGBTQ people and how they've had a huge impact on the community. I'm going to play you guys a speech Lynn made at Warped Tour the day gay marriage was legalized in every state because it was an incredible speech for one and two I think with our political climate right now we need to be reminded that you know some of these things that she said are still relevant and still important that we practice. I don't know if you guys know what happened today. Did anybody know? Uh, For those who don't watch the news or go on the internet or anything, gay marriage just got legalized everywhere in the United States. Really fucking awesome. Uh, Very special thing for me and you guys and everybody out there. Uh, It's a huge step forward for this country, us as people, for the world. Uh, Hopefully others can start following in our footsteps and get their heads straight and figure their shit out. Uh, There's a a lot of bullshit going on in the world today. There's fucking racism, there's sexism, there's war. There's a bunch of bullshit over absolutely nothing that should not be even a thing right now. Uh, But I have faith, I have faith in you guys, I have faith in this generation, I have faith in you guys as people. My faith is uh, up here. Uh, there's no difference. Don't let the stage fool you. We're the same people as you guys. We're up here. You're down there. We should be down there with you right now. We're just people. Uh, but uh, change is up to us. It's up to me. It's up to you. It's up to everyone out here. Uh, whether you're black, white, gay, straight, believe in God, you don't. Whatever the fuck you believe in, believe in what you want. Just spread love and be positive. Fuck negativity, fuck hate, fuck all that bullshit. Just be good people and spread that around the world, alright? So Paris, along with Tegan and Sarah, are always doing work for the LGBTQ community by donating money from their merch or ticket sales to various charities for their community. They also made a shirt where 100% of the proceeds went to the Orlando attack victims, and they continue to be active with their awareness and support for their community. In an interview with Fuse, Lynn has talked about what it's like to be a role model for the LGBTQ community and what being the girl in the band trope means to her. I feel like the whole question of female and a male-dominated industry is definitely a big question which kind of like answers itself in a way. People first started asking me about this I definitely kind of had the mentality of like oh it doesn't make me any different and I still I don't see myself as unequal or anything but I definitely do think it is really special that that is a thing that's happening and there are things that happen you have to kind of address them sometimes and accept that they happen and, and not really take shit from anybody for them. You can't let it define your experience but you just have to kind of stay strong and just power through and your thing. I think being queer and out and whatever you would like to call it is definitely accepted. I think everybody's very warm and welcome about it. I've definitely noticed a lot of people have been opening up to me about their own sexualities, which is awesome. I'd never really had anyone to look up to when I was younger to be like, oh, they're fine, it's totally normal. 
So yeah, I just like to be open about it and if it's a conversation people want to have, I'm willing to talk about it and stuff like that. So it's cool to know that like I can be kind of a comfort, or not a comfort, but just um, some, some kind of beacon for people that don't necessarily have somebody up there. So I'm just trying to just be a good person in general, whether, whether I was doing this or doing designing or whatever, like I'd still have the same kind of mindset and mentality. I'm just trying to do me and do the best I can and people will take what they want from that, so. She has also said to BBC in 2015, I think it's good to have an open mind and speak about stuff if you have a platform, as long as it's something positive and something that's beneficial to other people. And I think leaving the episode on that note is a good place. I know I covered a few things today, but I hope you guys keep paying attention because I really need you to do your best to help prevent future incidents and always please be safe. Unfortunately, we live in a time where violence and hatred is so present and it's absolutely fucking terrifying. So look out for each other and always do the right thing. Before I go, I'm going to play you guys a song by a band who reached out to me by seeing a sticker I planted in the Amityville Music Hall bathroom, which is really fucking cool. The band is called Mega Weapon, and they are from Long Island, just like me, and they are fronted by the lovely Michelle, who also writes for a blog called Ethos Live, and along with her band, put on a mini fest in February called Galentine's Fest. The song I have for you guys today is called I Won't Die from their 2017 release, called Behind Glass Walls. It's available on their Bandcamp, which is megaweaponmusic.bandcamp.com. And at the time, it's sold out now, but at the time, uh, $5 of the purchase from their record and from the Galentine's Day ticket and all of that bundle was donated to women's health causes and causes to support women in music and arts, which is so fucking cool. The band is awesome for more ways than one, and I am so happy Michelle reached out. If you guys want to reach out, you guys can find me on Twitter, which is Rebel Hearts Girl. And also, I am now a part of Jamie's Paramore fan account on Twitter, which is the Paramore Crew. So if you guys like funny midnight tweets and sassy comments, you can follow that account. I strongly advise you guys to follow it regardless because um, me and Jamie have a really funny balance of I never know what he's going to tweet. He doesn't know what I'm going to tweet. But uh, I like I like reading all the likes on his tweets because he posts some really funny stuff. So I'm glad he and I are sharing the account and he didn't just give it over to me because I really like that he's on Twitter. So that's the Twitter accounts. Instagram is Sam is Socks. Facebook is Facebook.com slash Rebel Hearts Podcast. And my email is Rebel Hearts Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget that I have 60 full color page zines available. You guys can email me for um, submissions and features and any questions, comments, or if you have suggestions for topics, or if you guys find any articles that you want me to talk about that I haven't yet, please feel free to email me. And I also want you guys to know I am officially now on the iTunes podcast app, Podcast Addict, Overcast, and the TuneIn app. So if you guys now search for Rebel Hearts or Rebel Hearts Podcast and listen on any of those free apps, you know, I'm there. I'm ready to party with all of you guys. And if you don't want to download the SoundCloud Cloud app or you just prefer to listen on an app you already have or that you already listen to podcasts on, either way, if you listen to me, I'm internally grateful and Thank you guys so much for everything. I will see you at the front, and here is Mega Weapon.